you can be well prepared for what God is going to require us to do in the future. There are some things that we need to understand about what God is going to require faith-wise. You know, I I'm, I'm always teach that the prophetic is more than prophesying, but that seems to be the part that people like to dwell on. But prophetic, the prophetic realm of the Spirit really is that realm that from which the power of it and the unction and the anointing is derived from the prophet's office. And the prophet did a lot more than prophesy. The prophet was responsible to teach and train other ministers. That's part of the prophet's gift and calling. The prophet was called on to minister to bring miracles of deliverance and healing and to bring in the supernatural of God. And so there's, there's a lot to this ministry that we have yet to tap into. There is also direction that the prophet gives for certain things to be done that will bring about miracles that, that have a different dimension of faith attached to them. And so we're going to talk about that prophetic faith and talk about uh, some of the people that operated in it and they began to break through and into a different level of the spirit in a di different dimension of receiving from God because of it. So last time we were <clears throat> we were teaching, and we were in Mark chapter 10. We gave that example about blind Bartimaeus, and we talked about him a little bit. I want you to go there right now and refresh you and just you know give an, give you an overview of what we talked about last time. Prophetic faith can be demonstrated by anybody who is influenced by the prophet's ministry. I think that's something that we don't understand. That ministry gift has the ability to speak into the lives and impart anointings into people, and you can receive that anointing and possess it, and it be yours. You can operate in prophetic faith anytime that unction begins to grab you that that's the wisdom of God for, for what you need to do in that, in that situation. In uh, chapter, Mark chapter 11, I'm sorry, chapter 10, verses 46 through 52, you see the story about how blind Bartimaeus was healed. And I told you they refer to him here as blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, which when they mention your father in, the, in that setting, in that culture, if your father's name was mentioned, it usually meant you were a person of stature. You weren't just a, you know, a blind, poor person that just was unfortunately born blind. So this speaks of believers, because we are people of stature. We're children of God, and we're entitled sometimes to a lot more than what we have out of life. And so here is a man who's really living beneath his privileges in the earth. He's living beneath his station in God. So if you have a need, if you have a need for healing, or, or if you're broke and you need money, you are living beneath your station of where God has called you to dwell. And so sometimes you need to do some prophetic action to bring yourself out of that place. And so we talked about how blind Bartimaeus first began to activate the law of faith through his confession, through his word. Mark 11:23 says that, if you believe and not doubt, and if your faith is in God, Jesus told the disciples, have faith in God. And then if you want to speak to that mountain, if there's something in your way hindering you from the blessing of God, you can speak to it, command it to be removed, 
And if you don't doubt in your heart, you can have what you say. So your own words can affect your deliverance, your healing, or whatever, if you have the faith of God in operation and you have faith and you don't doubt. Now Hebrews 11 tells us that faith is a spiritual substance. And I, I teach and reteach and reiterate this because I think sometimes people think they're in faith and they're really not. They are in agreement of what they want out of life, but they're not in faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, you can turn there real quickly if you want to, says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So faith is a spiritual substance from which things that are not visible appear. So faith is like a shadow of something that you're about to receive. And it is a spirit. It is tangible. It has substance to it. There is what the Bible calls a spirit of faith. It talks about the faith of the Son of God. It says we have the same spirit of faith. So faith is living. It's a living, tangible, spiritual substance from which the thing that you are believing God for will appear. It's a substance of faith. It says also that every man is dealt the measure of faith. So what we start out with is within us there is a what, what the Bible refers to as a measure of faith. We're all given the same. That measure then is either placed in God, if you're a believer, or it's placed somewhere else, but it's not placed in God. It's either in God or it's out of God. Once your faith is in God, you receive the substance of faith. And it comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as you sit there, faith is going out. And you use your measure and put it out there and say, well, that sounds like God. I think I'll receive that. And from you putting out your measure, you just put it out there with your ears open to receive, the substance begins to come to you. The more you sit and put your measure out there to receive the substance, the more substance comes to you. It has to go out by preaching. Turn to Romans chapter 10. I do this because I think sometimes people don't understand how faith comes and if they're really in faith or not in faith. Many people are not in faith because they don't hear the word or don't open up to receive the word or maybe they don't sit under a word that's preached in faith. Romans 10 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if you don't use your faith, if you don't use your measure, and put it out there for God to begin to bring more to you, there has to be a connection there for you to have faith in God. What you are doing is taking your measure and putting it over in God and receiving the substance. So Jesus told the disciples when he cursed that fig tree and they were shocked 
that the fig tree had withered the next day, he said, have faith in God. In other words, if you would put your faith in God's ability and in his word, then all things are possible to you. And you wouldn't be shocked that this tree was cursed already. It's not really cursed because of what I said, but I spoke by the unction of God. I was using the faith of God to say what I said. And that's how that happened. So our measure of faith has to be augmented and strengthened by the faith of the Son of God, by the faith of God. When Jesus, when Peter tried to walk on water, let me see where that is. I hope that's in Mark somewhere because I was trying to stick in Mark so we wouldn't have to jump all over the place. Let us see where it is. Okay, in Mark chapter 6 is where that one is. I'm not sure this is the one that I want. Not the one. I want the one where Peter tries to go for bed and walk on water. Now, that's not the one with Peter in it. Why don't we try John 6 and see what that, that does for us. I'm trying to get you to see how the faith that we have has to be placed in God for it to be the substance of faith before it can bring about the supernatural results. You know, God loves us and trusts us, but he's not crazy. He's not giving us his faith just to to use like we want to uh, let me see nope okay I didn't have it written down because I wasn't sure that I would have to go there today but I think I'd like to go there Got it? Where? What 19? John 6, 19? Okay, why don't we try it? Okay. That's not the one either. Okay. Why don't you turn the tape off for a minute so we can find it? Okay, Matthew 14, starting in um, 22, it says, Jesus made his disciples go over to the other side. In 25, it says, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Now, they were in the boat. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled and said, it is a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, don't be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. 
And he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, our measure of faith is little. Okay? That's what Peter used to get out of the boat. He made a decision that he wanted to reach out to God for something. And his decision got him out of the boat. Okay? So the decision really to use your faith or the decision that you want something from God... The decision that you want to pray for something for God is, is the use of your measure of faith. So faith to a degree is more of a decision to believe God for something or to pursue God or to seek God for something. And so you use your measure of faith to say, I'm going to go to God with this. Instead of, you know, go to your friends to borrow money or go to the grocery store and get what you need, you decide to seek God because you want to walk by faith. There are two ways you can go in any situation. You can go the natural route or you can go the supernatural route. So Jesus tells us to have faith in God. In other words, take your measure of faith and instead of doing things the way you like to do them all the time, seek God for his way of doing these things. So Peter decides he wants to kind of like show up the other disciples. You know, his heart's probably not really right the way it ought to be. It's the way most of us are when we first begin to pray for something. That's why sometimes we have to pray over and over again. God's dealing with our heart to get it in, in line with, with what we, he wants it to be, get our motives right, get everything pure and lined up just right so that he can bless us and our faith, and our faith will increase. Because faith works by love. It comes towards you when your heart is right and God can penetrate with his faith. And so Peter decides that he's going to show the rest of these disciples up. And he says, God, if that's you, let me come out there with you. Now, he could have said, Jesus, if that's you, uh, identify yourself. could have said, Jesus, if that's you, you know, give us a sign or say hi or do something familiar, put us at ease. But he says, if that's you, let me come out there with you. Because I got all this great faith and I'm going to show up these wimpy disciples. I'm going to walk on water just like you do. See, there's a place where your measure of faith will get you that far. So Peter got as far as stepping out of the boat. And when he got out there, Jesus said, come. Now what Jesus was doing was extending the substance of faith to Peter with his words. Whenever the word of God goes forth, the faith for that comes towards you. When Jesus said, come, that would have been enough faith for Peter to get all the way to where Jesus was had he stayed with it. Because the measure that God gives you comes as his seal of approval that he is going to give you what you ask for. Whenever faith goes out toward you and your faith increases, that is God's way of telling you, yeah, it's coming. I'm giving you more faith. This is your legal tender. Faith is like money in the realm of the Spirit. It's a legal tender that you hold on to until Jesus comes for your faith. Faith is spiritual material. It's a spiritual building block. 
When Jesus told the lady with the issue of blood, he said, your faith has made you whole. Faith has the ability to transform you, to make you into something you weren't before. She was sick before her faith made her whole. It's a spiritual, material substance from which the things that we ask for are made. They're fashioned, not created. They are put together with building blocks of faith. And so when Peter decided that he wanted to walk on water, Jesus said, come. And in that word, come, was enough faith to get him there, but something else happened. Whenever you start to move supernaturally, the natural will shift. It's a guarantee. Because what you're doing when you bring supernatural power into a situation, you are supplanting whatever natural is there. And that's what you want to do. Because when you live by faith and you begin to ask God for things, for uh, increase in anointing, whatever you're asking God for, it takes faith to get it to you. You've got to have faith that's pleasing to God before it will manifest. And so as you begin to, to proceed and to press and to, to, to go in and, and cause the kingdom to manifest and bring the kingdom God, God, let it be done here on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> Something's going to have to change, folk. You don't put heaven down here on earth and it not upset something. And so whenever the supernatural starts to come in to manifest, the natural has to move out of the way or shift or change before that supernatural manifestation will take place. And it will be upsetting to your natural man. It will look as though the very opposite of what you just prayed for is about to happen. And it may happen for a season. God, I'm praying for reconciliation in my marriage, and bam, you get the divorce papers. Okay, God, I'm not scared, but I'm scared. But uh, can we cancel this divorce? It goes through faster than anybody you ever heard of, faster than the speed of sound. Papers are stamped. You can believe in a piece of paper. You can believe in a report of the Lord. And so you'll have to challenge the natural or... Do like Abraham did. Don't consider it. The Bible says Abraham considered not his body. Now dead already. For all practical purposes. This ought to give you men some faith about having kids when you're in a nursing home. I don't know what's wrong with you guys. I'll hear no amens when I say stuff like that. <laughs> Or the deadness of Sarah's womb. So you don't have to go find some young chick. You can stay with the one you got. I just threw that out for free. That really wasn't for anybody in this room. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. There you go, Harry. This confession's right. And so that's what happens when you begin to reach out toward Jesus for his supernatural faith. The natural elements will shift to make it look like it won't happen. So there goes Peter. He's looking and says the sea became boisterous. And Peter cried out. He began to get afraid. 
It's the other thing that the devil does it for. He will enhance the natural shift to make it look even worse than what it is, to put fear in you. And if fear, if you don't deal with that fear and you don't override it with your faith, because supernatural faith is bigger than fear. See, a lot of people tell you, you know, if, if you fear, the opposite of faith is fear. Uh-uh, faith is stronger than fear. There's no opposite of faith. Faith is in a class all by itself, folks. So don't think if you got fear, your faith is gone. Uh-uh, use your faith to override it and do it anyhow. So Peter messed up because he quit obeying the prophetic word that Jesus gave him, which was come. Come on, Peter. You bad jump out of here. <laughs> Peter shocked himself because he stood on the water for a minute. And he saw what he was doing, and he saw he was just out there. And he stayed focused on the natural a little too long, and the faith connection that he had to the Lord snapped. And there he was, sinking. So then he changes his confession. Lord, save me. Well, it's not, he's not wanting to walk anymore. He's wanting to get bailed out. Hello. I'm leaving you, God, for $10,000. Uh, could I have three? <laughs> My faith feels like three today. And we usually get it. <clears throat> because we look at circumstances, we get in fear, and we change our confession. All Peter had to do was say, Lord, I'm coming. And the substance would have come back to him again. Stay with your original plan, your original confession. What you originally asked God for, don't change it, because you will get something different. God, I want a husband. I want him to look like Fabio. And, and Elmer Fudd walks in. I'll take him. He's cute. <laughs> I'm going to weed the Bible to you tonight. Can we do some weeding? Well, God, he seems to know the word. He looks safe. And he's still Elmer Fudd. <laughs> All your kids going to look like little fuds. <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> or you might have to wait for Fabio to show up. But <laughs> you got to wait for him to get saved for sure. But, you know, it might be worth the wait. And so Jesus rebukes Peter. And he asks him, he said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, the Bible says if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, well, you can ask what you will and you'll get it. So faith must start out, if he calls faith like a mustard seed, it must start out little and then grow. But he says it starts out small, then it gets to be the biggest plant of all the herbs, and it can, can cause other birds to lodge under it, which means that it will make provision. You can start off with a teeny seed of faith if you plant it in God and in God's Word. So once you confess what you want, you have sown your seed of faith in the kingdom of God, 
and it must have to grow. So he wasn't telling him his faith was small, like he could do something about it. He's informing Peter, look, Peter, your faith is little. And if you use that little bit of faith and put it in me and not doubt, if you have faith in God and not doubt, then you'll be fine. He said, doubt was your problem. He said, you started out good with your little bit of faith, but then you let doubt come upon you. And it caused your faith to even look smaller and shrink more. And that's why you, you're in the soup like you are now. You're just begging me to, to get you free and to deliver you and save you. And you're not walking on water the way you initially said you wanted to. Okay? You're not doing what you're supposed to do. And so what Jesus is informing Peter of is that the promise that you asked for did not come to pass for you because you doubted. Okay. It wasn't because your faith was little, because he gave you that measure of faith. But when you decided to put the faith in God and doubt came up, that snapped the cord of faith and withdrew what it was that I was going to give to you. And so that's where you began to sink. Now the good news is that if Peter could have got up and you know got a change of clothes and said, let's do it again. <laughs> Can I try again? But many people don't. When they get one disappointment... Or one thing that they've been praying for doesn't come to pass. They just totally walk away from it. And so that's what we've got to avoid doing is walking away from the faith of God. Because if we stay with it, it will work. So the best thing that you can do is if you begin to pray for something, you're standing on God's word and it doesn't come to pass, continue to believe him anyway. It doesn't cost you anything. Why let your faith go when you can hold on to it? I don't care what happens, you know. I was talking to a, a lady that <clears throat> was praying for a woman who was believing God to reconcile her marriage. And her husband was remarried. And she was telling somebody, she said, well, you don't understand. You haven't read your Bible. She said, that, what they're doing over there, that's not a marriage. That's adultery. Whew. That shocks some preachers. guess what? The husband came back. They always come back. I don't care where they go, they always come back. You can even read the women's magazines and see the statistics on that. Your husband leaves you for a young chick, I don't care how cute she is, I don't care how fat you are, I don't care how you let yourself go, or how mean you've been to him, he'll be back. <laughs> always upsets people, you know, because they think women who, who keep marriages are skinny, cute, no wrinkles, and always say the right things all the time. We don't. We ain't, and we won't. <laughs> no more than a husband. <laughs> you know, they don't say everything right all the time. Anyway, all you men, close your ears. It's husband bashing time again. <laughs> And while we're at it, we might as well kill this one, too. This covenant that all the faith ministers have with their wives that they won't gain weight. You know what God told me? He said, it's only a man's covenant. Ooh. <laughs> Just like a, a contract to buy a car or anything else. It can be broken. 
any time. Only God's covenant will stand. You see anything in the Word where God says, divorce your wife if she's too fat? No, you don't. <laughs> if she lets herself go, you can let her go. Uh-uh. <laughs> if you married her and she was a six and now she's a 26, no way, Jose. <laughs> But God, I work out, I go to the spa, stay at home. <laughs> Get out that spa where all those lust spirits are and the homosexual devils. You won't have a woman next time. You'll marry a man if you're not careful and get off that road. <laughs> all them spa devils. <sighs> Feels better already. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. I mean, we get stupid people. We're worse than people in the world sometimes when we get stupid. You know, we are. Because people in the world won't say some things that we say publicly about one another. You know, they wouldn't dare say it. They knew it would hurt a spouse's feelings. You know, you don't know what time and hormones and pressure might do to your physical man. <laughs> you have no idea. You know, I played those games before I knew the Lord. You know, keep yourself up, stay interesting. You're only interesting if you have a career. And he still wanted to leave me. So I got smart. I got saved and I got in the word. And I started kicking the devil's butt and make him quit talking those lies to my husband in Jesus' name. We got a love covenant, which means love is not partial and not conditional. It just loves. Period. Yeah. It's better than any of this little natural. We'll get a little covenant on the side here. You won't get nothing. You know, if God's not the honor of it, author of it, it won't hold up. And it'll make you twice as big a target for the devil. The minute he finds out you're carnal enough to leave your wife, if she gains 10 pounds, guess what's going to happen to her? I just love brownies and Fritos and Cheetos and knees <laughs> <laughs> on down, knees on down the road. <laughs> you know, we gotta kill some devils, folks. We get real carnal sometimes. Christians do. We get very, very carnal. Okay, how did I get there? Nobody told me to go there. I just went there by myself. <laughs> Um. All right, we were in faith, weren't we? All right, okay. So your faith has got to be in God. And you can't have any agreements with people that are outside of God's word if you're a Christian. They won't hold up. The devil will break them in two seconds. Okay. It's got to be faith in God, and it's got to be faith in God's word. You know what's wrong with people in the body of Christ, why they come up with revelation like that because they're scared to fight the devil because that's the only revelation God's given me for the past 10 years is go in and possess and fight David got into trouble when he didn't fight he was supposed to be out to war with the rest of the men and he was strutting around the palace bored and looked over the balcony and saw somebody else's wife taking a bath outside I thought how brazen 
But the devil had her too. A setup. Bang, bang, bang. He ought to be out fighting somewhere. He's lolling around the, the palace like he's somebody. <laughs> you know how when God busts you, he reminds you where, where he brought you from? And you realize your problem is you made a mistake of thinking you were somebody. Story about the little ewe lamb. Just broke David all to pieces. Why? Because God took him from a nothing and gave him everything that he wanted. And some of the stuff he didn't even ask for. And he couldn't even let that man have his one little wife. It's important that we stay in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. And most of the people who preach goofy stuff like that don't know diddly about warfare. They don't want to know about it. They don't want to talk about it. They want to deny it there. They are afraid to fight. So they go and make up some goofy revelation like, let's all go to a health spa so we won't be tempted to divorce our spouses. I got news for you. That's the place of the biggest temptation that there is. You're sticking your head in the devil's den. You'll wish you got a little Jane Fonda tape and sit in front of your TV. <laughs> Just a thought. But we got a lot of people in the body of Christ that refuse to fight. Men of fighting age that will die in the wilderness. Their carcasses will drop dead. Just like the children of Israel did. Because we're not going any further until we can blast through some of the places where we are where the devil has held us for so long and use our faith to bring into a higher dimension. And it's a prophetic release of your faith to a different level and that's going to cause some warfare in your life. Okay, why don't we turn to Mark chapter, where were we in 10 with the story of blind Bartimaeus? <clears throat> so we talked about the things that, that went through in his situation that he had to do. And if you'll notice this, let me tell you why you need prophetic faith or you need to do some prophetic operation like these people in these examples do to move from one level to another. When you are at whatever level you operate at in life, your faith brought you there. Your faith determines what you think, what you say, what you believe in your heart. All of that determines your lifestyle, what you do with your time from day to day, how much prosperity you have in your life, both in your spirit, your soul, your mind, and your body. You can't prosper in one level without prospering in all of them in God. And so your level of faith dictates your lifestyle. If you are praying for a change to come about in your lifestyle, something else is going to have to change. Your level of faith is going to have to change, which means that you are going to have to change. Sometimes your routine has to change. You may have to do something different with your time to break you out of that realm of living because it is a spiritual level. You're at a certain level in the spirit because you are a spirit wrapped in a flesh body, hopefully possessing a soul. Some possess better than others. And so your lifestyle is really a level of living in the spirit, determined by your faith. 
and what God has promised you and the progress that you're making toward it. Now, in, other, in order to move, to obtain a promise of God, you have to move out of one realm into another realm, a higher realm. Now, everybody does that in intercession. Any kind of warfare that you do, you experience that. That's what we just experienced a few minutes ago. Your spirit actually moved from one level to a higher level. Whenever you receive that rejoicing in the spirit, rejoicing is always a sign of victory, overcoming, or conquering. Joy is that. It's a strength. It's, a, it's an empowerment of the Holy Ghost. It's a spirit of the Spirit of God. It is a fruit of your spirit. So whenever you move from one level to another level, you have to hit something, move something, speak to some mountain, declare something to press through, and your spirit knows that it's arrived, and that's when it will tell your, your flesh, Hey, shout or something. Dancer, I'm not going to explode in here. <laughs> Leap. <laughs> I'm coming out. I got it if you didn't. <laughs> and so your spirit will start to, oh, oh, oh my. And then somebody else does it first and you say, cool, I'm jumping in on it. Because <laughs> your soul wants to keep you there. Your soul doesn't want your, your spirit to ever dominate your life. Your soul will do that. And so what you've done, your spirit has obtained a victory. Okay? Your spirit knows that it has done something in the spirit. Now, fortunately for you, you don't always know what that is. Everybody's going, oh, what's my, what's my, hold on. Uh, you know you got joyful about You hit something. I know I hit something. I get victory. I did something. <clears throat> and that's as much as we know. God won't let you know exactly what you broke through on, what happened, and what you did, because guess what? It may not even apply to your situation. Barb, I did all that rejoicing for somebody else's victory. Yes, you did. <laughs> I danced my best Highland fling for <laughs> somebody else. <laughs> You know. Yeah, you did. It's not your ten million, it's not your husband, it ain't your nothing. It was for somebody else. Well, that's a real bummer, right? Do you know why you rejoiced? Because your spirit did the work. All he cares about is getting free from one level to another level. Because he knows you grow from glory to glory and faith to faith. All he wants is more glory, more faith. He wants to get out there and do his thing. So he's real happy, even if you don't know what went on. Now, for some of you, it might be for your situation. But when you do spiritual warfare and you bind spirits, they affect much more than just your situation. You know that, don't you? If God gives you the anointing authority and unction to take authority over a spirit, I don't care if he only releases what he has for ten minutes. It will affect much more than just one person. 
than one situation. And when you move in true prophetic or apostolic ministry and that anointing and that kind of faith, it can affect whole nations and whole cities. And it should, rightfully so. But you have just moved from one level of the spirit to another level and done a warfare on that higher level and brought in a breakthrough or a victory and your spirit man rejoiced in that because that's all he lives to do is get one victory over another victory over another victory and go from one faith to another faith to another faith. Now in order to get the things that you desire into the natural, it's a different story. That will take some activity of obedience on your part other than prayer. It takes a different level of living for God, a different lifestyle in God. It takes some act of your body getting involved in obedience to that thing, what God wants, in order for you to go from one level, the level that you've been living at, all along to a higher level. And that's what we mean by prophetic faith. It is one act that you will do that will break you out of the spiritual level that you're living in into a higher level of living, period. It'll bring you into a higher level where you will live at a higher level. Spiritually, you'll, be, you'll have an increase. Physically, you'll have an increase. Financially, you'll have an increase. Wisdom and knowledge will increase. Everything that you possess will come to a higher level because of this one prophetic act that you do that will bring you up out of there. And that's what Bartimaeus did. Let me give you a different example of the woman with the issue of blood, and I think that's in Mark. I think it's five. I'm going to check and see. It's either five or seven. It's five. Okay. 521, it says, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, And he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Okay, so that's that's worshiping him. And begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. A 12 is the number of man's government, okay? It completes man's government. So she'd been trusting in man to the limit, folks. This signifies the end of man's ability to help her, natural man, okay? And she had suffered many things from many positions, okay? Suffered, the word suffer really means allow, okay? So she'd gone from doctor to doctor and submitted herself to them and they couldn't help her. And she spent all her money. And on top of that, she was not better, but she grew worse. Now understand this. Living at a certain level, faith-wise, spiritually speaking, you cannot stay at the same level and maintain. You'll get worse. If you don't move and press to something better, you, won't, you can't stay there. 
Because what you're doing actually is you are planting yourself in a place where you have told God you don't want to prosper anymore. When, when God spoke to Adam and Eve in the garden, he said, go forth, move, hit the road, go. He said, be fruitful, multiply, increase, subdue. It is not natural for human beings to want to stay at the same level, period. And when the devil tempted the man and the woman, Adam got scared of everything. I'm not going to bash anybody. Trust me. But just let me say this. <laughs> Fear will keep you rooted in one place. Fear immobilizes you like panic. And what happened is that the man and the woman quit going forth, subduing, multiplying, and increasing. They just stood still. They got immobilized by their fear. That caused them not to prosper. That's why many times when, when men and women, you know, when you first get married, you have that little power struggle. She wants to submit, but he ain't going nowhere. He thinks she wants to take over, but... Or he's not sure if, if he can lead or, you know, you ever go to a dance, the first boy you dance with? Oh, your turn. Step on your toes. Lead. Follow. That's the natural man. He's totally confused. His brain is shot. Totally shot. Well, she, she looks like she could lead a little bit, but I don't trust her now. Because she made me eat that apple thing and I don't know what to do. <laughs> she used to be my helper, but now she's doing all kind of crazy stuff. And they say it's PMS, but I don't know, you know, all this weird stuff's happened to her. So we don't trust in one another anymore. And there's always this strife and this struggle about who's in charge. God settles it. The man's the head. Lead! <laughs> That's what women want to say all the time. Okay, you're the head, the Bible says so, will you do something? <laughs> but let's move on. <laughs> and so that happens. But it is not natural to want to stay in the same place. What's, what's God normal and spiritual normal is for you to increase, multiply, subdue, always prosper, always increase, always multiply, always subdue, always going forward, always gaining, always moving ahead. Now, if you do that, and that's a normal part of the way that you live, it's going to freak out a lot of people because most people just are ruled by fear. They'll attain a little bit and get to a safe level and just want to protect what they've got so far. You know, let's, let's always put our money in a sock. Well, honey, the bank is giving us a little interest. No, no, I don't trust the bank. I've never been to a bank. I don't want to go to bank. Takes you five years to convince them to start putting their money in the bank. That couple that died recently, brother and sister, they had all that money in styrofoam coolers and, you know. God showed me something. You know that prayer that we pray for the elderly? Protection, crimes against the elderly, protection. He said it worked. He said all that money was sitting there. Nobody ever went in and touched any of it. Nobody stole it from them. 
You learn a lot by reading the paper if you pray, you know, for what you pray. But it is not normal because God spoke that into man's being and there is a recording of it in everybody's brain somewhere to be fruitful, to multiply, to increase. It's just there. And sometimes we'll have people who will get real turned on by it and they scare everybody. You know, I'm serious. Because it is frightening. You know, it challenges people to do more than what they're doing when somebody in the camp wants to go forward. So like Joshua and Caleb. They said, we don't see what everybody else sees. We see what God said was there. God didn't tell them there were giants. God said, I'm giving you a land, you know, flowing with milk and honey. And he says, I'll let you go see it. All they had to do was say, God told me I'm going to see this and that's all I'm looking for. But the other guys were looking for trouble and they found it. You'll see what you look for. I don't want to jump on the marriage again, but just let me say this. <laughs> if you think your husband is a dirty dog, he'll be that. That's all you see and that's all you want to see. If you want to see a pearl and a jewel and somebody that God sent you to bless your life, that's what you'll see. And it's not playing tricks because there's enough word in the word of God to say good things about somebody. And bless them. And they'll be that. You prophesy good over somebody and it's the word of God. Father, I thank you that my husband loves me like Christ loves the church. Jesus didn't divorce the church, still married the natural Israel. Just got to get her under a different covenant. God doesn't forsake or leave anybody or cut them off or divorce them. Well, his love endures forever. And so if we'll prophesy and speak good over things, guess what will happen? They'll turn into what we say they are. If we don't ever do it, it won't change. But see, prophetic faith has to come in to move you from one level of living to a higher level of living. And it'll be challenged. And so here we have the lady with the issue of blood. And she's not any better. In fact, she's getting the worse. The more she goes to doctors, the worse she gets. The Bible tells us, if there's sick any, any sick among us, that we should be anointed with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and God will raise them up. And it shocked me how many people will run to the doctor and never get prayer to, oh, wait, no, I can't come to prayer, I've got to go to the doctor. I said, hey, wait a minute, <laughs> stop on the way and get a little prayer. <laughs> the devil might have something waiting for you <laughs> when you get there. Oops, wrong medication, wrong patient. <laughs> oh, in her, I was supposed to give it to her in her arm? I thought they said in the heart. Ah. <laughs> Bingo. Okay, got to obey the word of God. And so she didn't get better, she got worse. It was time, folks, for her to do something different. And there comes a point when your level of living, at your level of living where you are, it's time to do something different. 
It's time to move out. It's time to bust out. It comes a point where I'm tired of praying the same prayer. This prayer is either going to come to pass or it ain't. <laughs> if I need to shoot somebody, give me a gun, I'm going to go shoot somebody. But something's got to change. And you'll feel that. You'll feel that here I am praying for the same thing again. I know I got a little joy breakthrough 10 months ago, and, and it's not here yet. Something's got to change. And you'll know when that time comes. You'll be sick of it. The Holy Ghost will yawn in your ears. Brother, what is she doing now? Here we go again. It says, and when she heard, there's faith coming by hearing. And this is what's going to move her from one level to another. She took her spiritual ears, her measure of faith, and tuned it in to what Jesus was saying. So she's heard that Jesus, she heard about him. Okay? So all the things that she heard increased her faith. Oh, he healed. He healed. He Listen, you know what Jesus did? There was a funeral the other day. He stopped the funeral girl and yanked that boy up out of that casket and commanded him to live. And that boy went home with his mother. And you remember Lazarus? No sisters of hers. His Martha had already cooked for three days for all them mourners. You know how Martha is. She's got to feed everybody and take care of everybody. Martha's cooked the biggest mess of food you ever saw in your life. And all the mourners are all lined up. And Jesus walks up to the tomb and calls him out of there. And you know Lazarus walked out of there, hands and face bound. He's healed everybody that ever came and asked him for healing. And you know what happened when he couldn't heal people? He would teach them until their faith grew, and then he'd heal them. I mean, that Jesus, he takes care of everything. So she heard about him. And here's faith coming at her all the time. The more stories she hears about Jesus, the more her faith grows. Now, when your faith gets to a certain level, it's going to move you to do something. You don't have to get up enough nerve to do it. You don't have to call a million people and lay hands on you to give you the unction to pump you up. <laughs> no, that'll help. <laughs> I know. But when your faith gets to a certain level, it will move you by itself because it's a spirit. It's alive. It's a living spiritual substance. So she got to the point she couldn't stay at home any longer. Her faith moved her out of the comfort zone where she was, feeling sorry for herself. See, that's part of your little lifestyle comfort zone, a little self-pity, you know. Well, I would do this, but, you know, I got so many kids, I can't get out the house much. I don't have a husband. You can go more, <laughs> just an aside. <laughs> no, you can't. Okay. You better not. <laughs> but you know we got a zillion excuses for why we don't move in the direction God wants us to and it's all self-pity we feel sorry for ourselves because we can't get up and do we don't want to get up and do what God wants us to do so we make up all these excuses or you get religious pride 
and you get a spiritual excuse for disobedience, which is the worst kind. Well, I know I should go up to the altar, but I just receive in my seat. Well, you receive back whatever you're getting back there, get it. But I'm going for it. <laughs> Me, myself, I'm going to obey the man or woman of God. I'm going for it. That's why Brother Cirillo tells people, see, this man has been preaching so long, he ain't crazy. He tells people, run up here. <laughs> you know what that does? God told uh, Norval Hayes, that breaks a spirit that's keeping you in the same level where you are. And he told, the Lord told Norval Hayes, the anointing is the strongest when you first give the call. He said, those first people that run up here can be healed instantly if they'll move quickly and get it. So this lady's heard enough about Jesus to move her against the Jewish law too. Because women were considered to be unclean if they had that flow of blood like that. And they could not get out among people. You couldn't go to the synagogue. You couldn't touch a man of God. You couldn't even get in the neighborhood. You were confined. Now, if the Pharisees had any power, they'd have made a house call. They weren't doing their job. They could pray for people. God healed people all the time. They had a prophet in town. He could have gone by and taken care of that lady. She had to go to doctors and didn't get any better. She got worse. So she was living bound in the Jewish tradition. She was bound in the unclean state. She was bound in unbelief. She was bound in the natural. A, a child of God having to go to the world for her healing. And she said, I'm sick of it. God said, I'm glad because I've been sick of it. And Jesus said, cool. So she crawls through this crowd so she can't be seen. She probably had a reputation by now. Everybody probably knew so she crawls through, and she says something inside of herself. Yeah? And this is faith. This is obeying the law of faith. If you confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, you will be saved. You will be healed. You will be delivered. The law of faith is first activated by your confession. It's got to be said. It's a law. God set it in motion. He said, let there be, and then there was. It wasn't was until he said, let there be. So we have the same spirit of faith. We have to confess first what we desire. And we come into agreement with God. What we say merely affirms what God's already said. What we're saying is, God, I want you to operate here. I'm coming into agreement with what you want to do. This is your word. I'm putting it out there. I'm planting my seed of the word in the spirit realm so that you can see it and you can know what I want and you can move on it. So she activates the law of faith. Before you have faith for God to do anything, something has to tell you inside of you that that's what God wants to do. And she said that inside of herself. And she probably spoke it out. Said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. 
See, it's the Holy Ghost ministering to her God's answer to her. Everybody should get that in every situation. There's some instruction from God that comes forth where you say within yourself, man, if I could just get to service tonight, I know when I get in that worship and raise my arms, the pain in my back is going to leave. We should have that knowing about what God's going to do for us when we make divine appointments. God, I believe that if I can just give this five hundred dollars because i've never given that much before it'll break this fear that i have about giving that comes on me every time i want to give something it hits me god speaks to us in that way so she began to release her faith inside of herself she said if i may touch his clothes i'll be made well so she sets the stage for her own healing by the power that's working in her by her own faith your faith will speak to you and prophesy to you the will of God for your life. It says, and immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. When you're healed, you know it. When you're saved, you know it. When God's done anything for you, when you're anointed, you know it. I love these anointing confessions. I'm anointed, he's anointed, you're anointed, she's anointed. Wouldn't you like to be anointed? When you're anointed, you know it. You don't have to confess it. You don't have to convince yourself. You don't have to sing a song about it. Just bring the fruit. The anointing bears fruit in your life. And then other than saying anointed, say I'm anointed to do fill in the blank. That'll commit you. Singing these I'm anointed songs and you don't know what you're anointed to do is no good whatsoever to any of us. Jesus said the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to do certain things. The anointing does certain kinds of work in the earth. There's a difference between the anointing and the manifested presence of God. There's a presence that comes through worship. It just controls the atmosphere. The anointing is different. It comes on you for power to do certain things. We all need the anointing to preach. That's the first thing that we need so that our words will be with power and we can win people to the Lord. It says, and says, Jesus immediately knowing in himself. So it was a contact from her inner self to his inner self. From her spirit to his spirit. Her measure of faith was finally strong enough that when it was released to him, virtue flowed out of him. It's an automatic thing. When your faith gets to a certain level and it's released, whatever you're releasing it for will just come to you. It'll just manifest. Okay? Because God has already set up that if, you're, if, his, if your faith pleases him, you can have what you say. You have it and don't doubt. You can have what you say. Now let me tell you something about faith. Sometimes it has to be tested. In fact, it should be all the time. So it's not we can sit and hear the word long enough and get up and it comes. It don't work like that. You might carry that same level of faith in you for five years for something. And God lets you carry that faith to see if you'll let it go or hang on to it. If you hang on to it, you might hear a little bit more about that thing that he promised you. And that faith will increase inside of you. 
So this is not, I'm going to sit down and just listen to the word all day long, and when I get up, I'm going to have a million dollars. Okay? It doesn't come all at one time. Sometimes the faith for, for the finances will depend on the faith for healing to come first. Faith is faith. You, God may need to work on you in one area first before you get something. And when it finally does come, you'll probably be like Zacharias in the temple. Huh? What'd you say, angel? He said, oh, your prayer's been heard. You and your wife getting ready to have a baby. His beard's down here. It's gray. He's about to retire from the temple priesthood. <laughs> he going, huh? What? And he was full of so much unbelief, the devil had to make him shut up. He said, this will be a sign. Shut up. Period. <laughs> Don't say any more. You might blow the blessing. <laughs> so don't let time. See, time can be your friend. If you can wait for something long enough, it's better for you because your faith is stronger. Your faith has endured. And there's something about faith which goes through some trying and enduring that makes it more precious to you and in the earth. There are other people who are depending upon you making it through. We're a body. You're carrying other people's blessings on your faith. And sometimes that's why God's got you going through like you go through. Not for you. You're a good kid. He wants to bless you. He loves you. He wants to give you everything. But if he lets you wait a little bit, let your faith be tried a little bit more, it'll be more precious to you, him, the kingdom, and anybody else that your prayers might hang on. You've got other people hanging on your words and on your prayers. And so this lady knew that, <clears throat> and Jesus knew something had gone out of him, that power had gone out of him. In other words, faith extracts power from God. Faith is very powerful. Very powerful. That's why it's rare. Because many people go into shock when they hit the thing like Peter did and see the circumstances. They say, God save me. <laughs> They go back to depending on God for everything instead of moving out in faith. Faith gives you a different authority in the earth. It gives you a different uh, stature and a different ability to generate things instead of waiting for God to bail you out all the time. I tell people you go from being a, a charismatic faith person to being a Baptist. Save me. You only know God as a Savior. Jesus is a Savior. He wants to know you, him, you to know him in different dimensions. He wants you to know him as a co-laborer in the gospel. He wants you to minister in a stronger dimension. But if you begin to step out to minister and, and move in that faith and you drop back and save me, you're going from charismatic to Baptist. <laughs> well, yeah, because that's all they preach is salvation. So you always be in trouble. And you'll think it's normal to step out and try something and then pray for God to bail you out. You think that's normal Christian living. You think it's normal for your kids to get strung out on drugs and then that's when they, de they always decide to serve God after they've been on drugs. It must be normal. And you'll hear testimonies like that. That was the only way God was going to get my kids. No, it's not. You didn't try any other way.
God wants that power to work through you. He wants you to see the power of your words if you confess and you walk in authority. He wants us to quit whining for everything and get up and take a few risks, a few faith risks, and see what he'll do and meet us there with a the provision. He wants us on that narrow road where only a few people are. But when you get on there, there's provision after provision after provision after provision. And Jesus asked, who touched his clothes? And his disciples says, what do you mean who touched you? Because there's all these people here. And he looked and he saw the woman. She didn't have to identify herself. He knew when he looked at her who she was. Faith lets you get in God's face. He knows you. Our begging does not get us there. It's our faith. He's looking for it so he can recognize us. If you don't come to him in faith, he's look, he looking all around. Who did that? Who did that? And then when he finally sees it, oh, there she is. That's the one. I see the faith. The Bible says when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? He's always looking for it. That always identifies us to him. That always gets us in his faith. Faith is our faith. And whether we've held on to the faith that he gave us and we have still have faith in God. If we're still believing the promises, we still got our confession intact. And we still are holding on, hanging on. You might be out there on a, <laughs> a fragment of a ship, but that's faith. <laughs> You're still out in the ocean where God put you. And it says, a woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She knew she wasn't supposed to be there. She was supposed to be on, you know, forever quarantined. See, faith will move you out of a level of living that everybody has slotted you in but God. You will have everybody disagreeing with you but God. Everybody's going to get there at some point. There will be something. You'll go to everybody for a confirmation. What do you think? I don't think it's God. What do you think? I don't think it's God. But in you, society, you know it's God. And it will put you on the outs with everybody but God. Because God always wants to know who you love. You love them more than you love me. I don't care what they tell you. I told you what I'm going to do. Now you either believe me or you believe them. Some things you're believing God for, you shouldn't tell anybody. That's why we don't have a lot of miracles in the earth. We get the blabs on us. We want to give a testimony before it comes to pass. Not a testify, it's a test to lie. Because it hadn't come to pass yet. And it won't if you keep blabbing it. Because if you've got to tell that many people, you must not really believe it yourself. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you. It has transformed you from a sick person to a well person. Your faith has made and fashioned healing inside of you where there was sickness. 
Faith has made that happen to you. Faith has forced that into you. Faith has put you in a place where you can't resist it any longer. It made you receive it. Faith put you in a place where there was no turning back and no turning point. You couldn't go back to the old. Faith will change you. Change the way you live, change the way you talk, change the way you look. It'll change everything about you. That's why the devil tries to pervert it, tries to make us scared of it, tries to make us scared of people with faith. Because it's very, very powerful against him. He sees God's word rolling down into the earth. He's got to step out of the way. He didn't want to get hit with another black eye. He got kicked out of heaven and hit the earth, got a skull fracture, and Jesus finished him off at Calvary. Totally crushed his skull. But he's walking around limping with brain damage already. And you see a child of God moving in faith. I'm moving from one level to another level. And this ball of, of the word comes, you know, like the bowling ball, right down the middle of the alley. And he wants to step out of your way. You know why people tremble when certain people with certain anointings get around them? Demons tremble. The anointing makes them scared. That's their biggest enemy. That's why it's so hard to get. You've got to pay a price for it. It ain't cheap. And you've got to fight to keep it. You've got to be faithful using it. Or you won't have it. Makes the devil tremble. And it's supposed to. If we only knew the power of faith. Amen. Praise God.